This morning's reading is Luke 24, 1 to 35. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Gal- with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered in the- into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again? Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman, because the words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself, What had happened? Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here these last days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, 
There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the gospel of Christ. He is risen. Uh, thank you, Kerry, for that reading. I'm actually now going to bring you part two of the, the reading. Uh, we're going to carry on from verse 36 through to the end of the chapter, last minute edition. So verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled, and why do you doubt? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, uh, did believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, "Do you have anything here to eat?" They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is also the Gospel of Christ. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for this Easter Sunday. Uh, we thank you uh, that we have your word to us and that we can reflect on it now. And we ask that your spirit would be on, at work in us as we, as we think on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus now. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, there was an article in the news yesterday uh, that spoke about the confusion that often exists around why we as a society celebrate Easter. And on one level, it's good to see uh, a journalist engage with why we celebrate Easter at all. He even quoted the Bible a couple of times, which is very rare in the media these days. And he tries to assess what parts of Easter, uh, what parts of Easter are biblical and, and what parts are cultural. But by the end of the article, you can't help but feel that confusion still reigns. Now we're looking at the final chapter of Luke's gospel this morning. Uh, Luke was a doctor and he wrote this account so that readers might know with certainty uh, of the things that they have been taught. He, he tells us that in, in chapter one of the gospel. And while there's still confusion over Easter in our day, it, it seems that on that first Easter, all those years ago, confusion also reigned. And we see it through, throughout the passage. Uh, there are three different encounters that point 
to, the, to Jesus being raised from the dead. One with the women, uh, one with two followers on the road to Emmaus, and one with the disciples and, and other believers who were gathered. But by the end, there is no confusion. Jesus gives his closest followers clarity. And it is to shape their lives. Uh, we'll go through the passage briefly, and then we'll spend some time reflecting on, on what the resurrection means for us this Easter. Uh, we pick up the passage on the first day of the week, and it's been two days since Jesus died. And we're introduced to this group of women. These women had followed Jesus from Galilee and witnessed the, the horrific events of his crucifixion. Now they're on the way to his tomb, and among these women are Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, all women who, had, who Jesus had administered to and who ended up following him. Now they've prepared spices probably to stop uh, the odour of his rotting corpse. But as they get to the tomb, imagine their shock at finding the stone rolled away and no body in sight. Naturally, they wonder what might have happened. Uh, they're mourning. They've lost hope. They'd be exhausted after all the events of the previous days. And this is probably the last thing that they expected to find. In John's Gospel, it tells us that one of the women even thought that Jesus' body had been stolen. And I think that's probably where a lot of our minds would go in that situation. Well, the women don't have long to think before these two angel-like men appear next to them with clothes as bright as lightning. And these women get a fright and, and they bow down before them. And the men give them a bit of a rebuke. They, uh, they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And they remind the women of Jesus' own words to them. Uh, verse 7, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day, third day be raised again. And at that point, the, the women, they remember his words. It's almost a, a bit of a light bulb moment for them. That's what God's word often does. It, it makes sense of things when nothing else in this world can. Uh, many of you here will be able to attest to that in your own lives. Times where you haven't been able to make sense of a, of a particular situation, but for the clarity that comes from the word of God. So these women have hope, and, and they rush to tell the disciples of this news. But in verse 11, they're shut down pretty quickly. The disciples don't believe them. This talk of Jesus rising sounds like absolute nonsense, like, like false hope. Now, of all the disciples, uh, Peter is the one who is curious, and so he runs to the tomb on his own uh, to see for himself. Now, remember, Peter was the one who uh, earlier on had denied that he was a, a follower of Jesus three times, and so perhaps he was the one who needed hope the most. When he finds the empty tomb, like, like the woman earlier, he wonders what might have happened. There's confusion. You can imagine as, as the word spread about the empty tomb, lots of people would have been discussing it. And we hear of one such discussion from verse 13 onwards. Two people who probably witnessed Jesus' death and, and are heading back home in their grief and disappointment uh, and sorrow. Now, if you've ever had high hopes for someone that have been dashed, you might know something of, of what these people were feeling. One of the people was named Cleopas, and, and we're not told the other person's name, but as they go, Jesus himself comes and walks with them. But they're kept from, from recognizing Jesus, and, and isn't that strange? God keeps them from recognizing who Jesus is. 
It's almost as if they weren't ready to understand yet. So Jesus asks them what they've been discussing, that they're almost shocked by this question, and, and they wonder if this man's a visitor, because they can't fathom how anyone in, in Jerusalem uh, wouldn't have heard about what had taken place. And Jesus goes along with it, asking what's happened, and, and they, give, they give him their take on things. But in verse 21, we see one key reason why they are so downcast. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They were moved by Jesus, but they also had hopes that he, of what he was going to do for the Israelites. Now, it seems they wanted Jesus to make a, different, a difference for them in this life. And we see in the Gospels there are times where there's talk of, of people making, trying to make Jesus king by force. Uh, now in their despair, they can only see things in a particular light. As they tell Jesus about the empty tomb and the angels, they're still downcast. They mention this is the, the third day since this has happened, but they don't see the significance of that yet. They're so dejected that whatever they hear, they view it in a negative light. And what we see in these two followers isn't uncommon today. Uh, many people have their minds uh, fixed on this life, and everything they do is about the here and now. We like the idea of Jesus if he can turn our hopes into reality. Some of us go through life downcast if he doesn't deliver, if he doesn't do what we hope. But as we'll see, the resurrection of Jesus means there is more for us to think about than just the here and now. So these two people have had their hopes dashed. And at this point, Jesus speaks up and he's a little bit disappointed in them. Verse 25, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? and then enter his glory. And he explains to them what the scriptures said about him. He, he called them foolish and, and slow of heart, but Jesus doesn't reject them for these things. Instead, he explains the scriptures to them, particularly how they relate to himself. Uh, it's good to know that when we come to Jesus with genuine doubts or concerns, he doesn't turn us away. God knows all, but he also values our honesty with him. And when we come to him genuinely, he, he won't turn us away. He wants us to understand, and, and as we look at his word, he, he gives us that understanding. Now remember, at this point, these two followers still don't know that they're with Jesus. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of a, a course we sometimes uh, run at St. Stephen's. Uh, and, and in one of the, the videos in this course, the main guy who runs the course, the course is called Christianity Explored, by the way. Uh, the main guy who runs the course tells of a time that he was waiting to be seated at a restaurant in England. And there was another guy there waiting next to him, who he says he kind of vaguely recognized. Now, they didn't speak. They, they kind of nodded at each other. But when someone came in and called out the name of the other guy uh, so he could be seated, he realized that he'd missed a chance to speak with Prince William. And uh, at least these two in the passage, uh, they have a chance to, to speak with Jesus even though they, they haven't recognized him yet. Now, as they approach their destination, they convince him to stay. They're still grieving, but they recognize it's almost evening, and, and they insist he stays with them. They inconvenience themselves for him, putting his needs above their own. Despite their doubt, I, I think this shows that they, they bear the marks of followers of Jesus, showing hospitality towards a person in need of it. So they're about to eat, and, and Jesus takes the bread and, and gives thanks, and he shares it with them. And it's at that exact moment 
that their eyes are opened. It's like uh, they suddenly recognize Jesus. A switch is flicked and they realize who they are with. And at that very moment, Jesus disappears. And knowing they were there with Jesus, this is what they say, verse 32. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and, and opened the scriptures to us? That's the impact of the resurrection uh, that it can have on the lives of God's people. Through the resurrection, God ignites our hearts and, and changes us. And that seems to be what happened with these two. Knowing what they know, they, they get up and they rush straight back to Jerusalem. And presumably it's, it's still evening. They, they insisted that Jesus not travel at night. But what they know cannot wait. They, they track down the disciples and they also confirm that Jesus has risen and that he has appeared to Simon as well. And they all share about their own experience with Jesus. Now from verse 36, we see one final encounter. And we see at that moment when Jesus' followers are all together, that he appears among them. And they get quite a fright. He, he tries to convince them, but they are so shocked that they struggle to believe that it's him. And there's this odd sentence in there uh, in verse 41. They still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. It's as if it's too good to be true. They really can't make sense of it. So once again, Jesus explains the scriptures to them so they can understand. And he, he says to them in verse 46, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And why I mention that last part is because this is the third instance in this chapter where God intervenes in this miraculous way to show uh, that the things that Jesus had taught had actually come true. So that's the three encounters in the passage. And in some ways it's an odd passage because in it we see three different groups of people, all followers of Jesus, all very close to Jesus, and yet completely distraught and confused by his death. If Luke's trying to convince us of the resurrection, you'd think he'd use examples of, of people who believed straight away. But remember, these are, are people who watched helplessly as their friend, their teacher, their Lord, was lashed and, and mocked and scorned as he was nailed to a cross. As he cried out to God and as he breathed, his last breath. They witnessed all of that. They had to make peace with his death. The one who had given them so much now taken away from them. Initially, they all struggle to understand. And we see their doubt and confusion, even when God makes it so clear to them. But gradually, gradually, their doubts turn to belief. Or in Luke's words, they come to have certainty of the things that they have been taught. And their belief changes their lives. Uh, it would lead them to testify about what they had seen to the entire uh, known world at the time. If the resurrection is true, then everything else Jesus said matters. And we see a, a boldness in Jesus' followers from, from this point on. They no longer live just for this life. They live in light of the life to come. The resurrection of Jesus has changed their lives. Has it changed yours? Has it changed what's important to you in this life? How important is, is the risen Lord Jesus to you? 
The resurrection of Jesus changes the way that we view this life. But it also changes the way that we view death. That's the other thing that stands out in this passage. Notice the way each of the groups seem to view death. Whether it was uh, the women initially or or the disciples when the women told them uh, what the angels had said or the two followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. In their minds, death was final. There was no hope beyond it. This is despite the fact that Jesus had told them what would happen. And in our world, I can't help but feel that death has a, has a similar hold over us. Uh, personally, I'm not sure I've ever seen a, a greater fear of death than, than what we've seen in, in recent times. Uh, and perhaps you would say the same. And, and a pandemic can do that, can't it? But as Christians, it's good for us to remember that the risen Lord Jesus changes the way that we face death. Our world tries to avoid death. It tries to, to hide death, keep it confined to hospitals, keep it out of the home or, or the public eye. Society tries to isolate death. It's not uncommon uh, at funerals to, to avoid talking about death. Uh, and I mean no disrespect when I say that. People speak only of the, the celebration of life because death is awkward. People say they're in a better place or they wouldn't, or they wouldn't want us to be sad. Without Jesus, death is the end. Uh, And this should be a great sadness. But for a Christian, the resurrection changes the way that we think about death. We live this life knowing that Jesus' resurrection means that we will one day be raised as well. We we do approach death with sadness. Uh, That's right when we lose our loved ones. But we also approach it with hope knowing that this life is not the end. Uh, The resurrection changes everything for us. And that was the case for these early followers of Jesus. They went on to do some truly remarkable things in his name. And many of them faced their deaths, confident that they would soon be reunited with their Lord. Uh, Later in the Bible, in the book of Acts, we see Peter, uh, one of the disciples who was mentioned earlier, testifying to others that Jesus was indeed raised from the dead. And it's likely he was crucified for spreading the good news of Jesus. Then there's Stephen, who of course our our church is named after. He was one of the first martyrs killed for his faith in Jesus. And it's not just people in the Bible. Uh, In in the history of the church, we hear of people like uh, Nicholas Ridley or, or Hugh Latimer, who were burned at the stake for their faith. Another example is a lady named Esther John. Uh, Esther was a nurse who became a Christian. Uh, She was born in India, but but later her family moved to Pakistan, and and she worked in an orphanage in Pakistan. And her family was ashamed of her and and angered when they learned she had abandoned her Muslim faith. And some years later, uh, she was murdered, uh, most likely because of it. Now, when when, when police searched her things, seeking for clues as to why she was murdered, uh, perhaps for evidence of a a jilted ex-lover, all they could say was this. This girl was in love only with your Christ. This girl was in love only with your Christ. That's an example of of what the resurrection of Jesus does. It it transforms us. Extraordinary people like Esther John, or even everyday people like you and I. How has the resurrection transformed your life?
Let us not be foolish or slow of heart to believe. Let us rejoice, for our Saviour is risen. Let me pray. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Father God, we thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. That it means that one day we too will be raised. Help us to live this life in light of that truth. And help us to also face death in light of the hope that we now have. Lord, please would you transform our lives. May we rejoice in what you have done. In Jesus' name. Amen.